Um, good evening, all. Uh, it's Tavara Krasniansky from Adayad, and tonight we'll be talking with Yael Trush about Shalom Bayit and money. Uh, recently, several questions came into Adayad about Shalom Bayit, money, and while it's, uh, we always do aim to try to find the best on the topics that we are talking about, I'm so excited that Yael was able to join us at this end of year uh, timing. So those of you who are joining us live, we're grateful for that. And those who are joining on the recording, um, you'll get whatever you get, whenever you get it, because money is also all around the year. It's not necessarily right before camp and people thinking about large tuitions for next year or whatever it is, because those are some of the questions that came in. Uh, but money is always a topic. And there's no time better than right now to learn about how to talk about money. Uh, now, there's a difference between a conflict about money and a fight about money. And we'll talk about how to have how to talk through the conflict rather than turning it into a fight. So Yael, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Tell us a little bit about what you do in this space. And then you can also tell us what you do in other spaces as well. So thank you, Devorah. Thank you, Devorah. It's so nice to be here. First of all, um, it's amazing that you're allowing for this conversation to happen. It's such an important topic, so relevant at any stage of marriage. In fact, even before we get to be married, it's important for us to um, have an awareness of, of our relationship with money, how to communicate about money and so on and so forth. So um, a little bit about what I do is I do private coaching with women and very often with married couples. So together, the couple would sit with me and we work on um, their money habits and their money mindset in tandem. And I also run online programs, group, group coaching programs where we, I teach an online program online, both in Spanish and in English. I host a podcast, which is soon going to be transferred into a very cool name called Jewish Money Matters. Uh, and I write for different organizations like Chabad.org, Aish. And so, yeah, I'm delighted to talk about this. this is one of my favorite topics. It's super important. I also like that you talk about, besides money, just talk about empowering women and, and Jews in general. So I'm really excited. Uh, JewishLatinPrincess.com, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. My, my, my podcast and my website is found there um, at, the, at the moment, JewishLatinPrincess.com. And you, I also have a free Facebook group where people can also join me and talk about money. It's Jewish Money Matters. Again, I always try to weave the spiritual and the practical um, in anything that I speak about, money being no exception. So I'm really excited that we're here talking about money tonight. And again, this is not only for women, just that it happens to be you and I are women, but money is, is all genders, all issues. Ex okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah, let's talk about what are the negative effects of, of fighting, besides, of course, the fighting, but negative effects about fighting about money specifically. Yeah, sure. So, so let me just um, preamble that with like a scenario so we can get a sense of what typically happens, okay? So typically what happens in a marriage is we tend to speak about money when there's no other alternative, when, there, when a fire has exploded, right? And there's like this crisis mode or this emergency, or it's just not the right time or space, right? Because here's the thing, money is an emotionally charged topic, and we might think that it's just numbers and spreadsheets and technicalities, it's actually really an emotional topic. So if we start talking about something that's emotionally charged, 
at bath time or when you're about to send an email to your, to your boss or to your client or you're about to go on a trip or whatever it might be, what tends to happen is what could have been a very civilized conversation where we could hear each other calmly and we could try to understand where the other person's coming from, we tend to just react, okay? So that's just kind of what ends up happening. And we create this paradigm of volatility where ugh, anytime we talk about money, it ends up in a fight. So either we continue to do that or we take a different approach, which is let's just try to not ever talk about it. The less I talk about it, the less explosions there will be, right? And so the obvious danger is here, obviously, is the erosion of a relationship. This is not the way to build a union, right? We're here to build a marriage, something cohesive, something, a sense of togetherness. So we're eroding that sense of relationship. But there's also other issues, okay? We're, we're missing, when we don't learn to communicate about money, and I think like this word is going to, we're going to gravitate around this word communication a lot tonight. But I always feel like the number one thing here that we often don't realize is that there is a really real, real missed opportunity for connection, for a deeper connection and intimacy, like a deeper bond, because the layer of understanding, of knowledge of your spouse, of who they are and who you are grows deeper. It's another level of getting to know each other that often when we avoid going there, we're missing on deeper connections. So that's one thing that I would like for us to kind of like, kind of like sit here in the background. Okay. Then there's obviously the practical, which is guess what? Two heads work very often better than one. Even if we have different approaches to money, which we will very often have because we're two different individuals, which with two different backgrounds and two different money stories and habits and so on and so forth, but helping each other to achieve our goals and building a, our, our family unit together, that is done better, but with two people. Okay. And number three, I don't ever like to talk about, you know, approach things with fear, but the, and that's why I left it, you know, for the end, but the, the risk of not growing in this sense and in the sense of, of a healthy communication around this topic lies in, aside from the finance, the risk of financial infidelity and a breach of a tremendous breach, breach of trust that could happen. You know, what if something happens? What if the imbalance of power and understanding of how to manage our, our practical things that have to do with money is so imbalanced that if God forbid one of our, of the parties, one of our, one of them is not there for whatever reason, not, doesn't even have to be a divorce. It could be another situation. Then how do we do it? Right? So what I always try is to find an approach where we want this to be something that we do together, despite the fact that some of us might be more skilled at one area of money management than the other. The objective should have always be building together, creating peace, creating unity, that we're going towards something together. That should be always like the the objective. And yes, we can divide, we can divide and conquer, right? One of you could do long-term investments and the other one could do practical, but you know, budgeting the other one could do that's all good and fine. 
but let it be that we understand how it all works so that if God forbid you have twins or you have triplets or somebody gets ill or, you know, the other one can take over. So it's an even playing field for both of you where you both feel comfortable. And I also uh, find this when you, st- I want to touch on the word emotions because there's so, there's so much opportunity to get to understand each other's values, where you come from, what do you want to spend your money on, yep. what do you want to save your money for. So there's so much a wonderful opportunity for conversation that may start from money, but it's really on so much more. Exactly. And you hit on a wonderful and very, very important concept, which is values, which practically, I, 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 practically nobody thinks about connecting these things. And, and here's, here's where I always try to um, teach my students, teach my clients. Let's get to the essence of what is really important in your life. What are your core values? And this is not, um, you know, it's not conversation that we can have while we're putting a kid in the bath, right? This is something that we actually have to be very honest with ourselves and say, what is it that at the end of my life, when I look at my life, I want to make sure that I live such a life, right? And why do I say that? And how does it relate to money? Because we want to make sure that just as we are spending time in things that promote that values driven life, we also want to make sure that our money is being allocated towards those things. So however we are allocating our money should be supporting our values. And very often when we get super clear on what's important to us and what's really important for our spouse and the kind of values that we want our family unit to stand for, and then we look at our numbers, we might discover that, oh my, You know, perhaps we're not really investing in the things that we say are important to us. And so it can be a a real eye-opening exercise and a real um, opportunity to build with intentionality and to manage our money with intentionality. And that's what we're aiming. So I think that's beautiful that you said that because I, I invite everybody to sit, you know, with yourself first and get really clear on what those values are and, and, and ask yourself if you're really financing them and have these conversations with your spouse. And the other thing is we actually, on Adeyad's website, we have some, a, a date nights. And one of them is all kinds of great questions about talking about money. And it's not really only about the money. It's yes. Like, what does money mean to you? For some people, money means independence. For some people, it means prestige. For some people, it means you know philanthropy so what does it mean so you right. get to really understand each other without it's around money but it's not even about the exact numbers you know it's funny that you said that because when i i, I always teach and i welcome everybody to download this free guide from my my website i'll tell you very soon but i always teach this idea of having money dates just like we should spend some time and invest it on our relationship and date our spouses right we need to also spend some time cultivating this relationship with money and amongst ourselves right we have to spend some time where we are focused on this rather than at random moments and we never start just with the numbers we never do that because that's like an electric shock to the system we start with our homes of origin, what did we see? You know, the things that we often don't, we're not even aware of about ourselves, let alone our husbands, right? Because we, 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 we behave in a certain way that is driven by our emotions, which goes, that go back to our thoughts, but we don't, we're not conscious of where those thoughts, where those beliefs were created until we start exploring 
what did I see my parents do with money? How did they speak about money? What were my earliest money memories? What did I experience as a teenager? And we start peeling the layers of those things and uncovering so much about ourselves. And then we say, wow, now I can see how I'm repeating certain patterns or I'm rebelling against certain patterns. And I can start understanding my own behaviors and my own reactions. And guess what? Now I can share that with my spouse. And, and, and that's like an open window to allowing him to say, wow, that's so interesting. In my house, it was completely different. And oh, really? How was it? Right. And we start understanding each other. And so eventually, as we get into looking at our numbers and setting up our objectives based on our values, we come from, we, we manage these conversations with a more, much more empathetic, um, uh, with much more empathy because it's like, I, I once was having not, not long ago, a money date with my husband and I, and I kind of reacted at something. It was something like, well, I don't think you did the transfers to that, that account. Like he were, we had agreed to. And he looked at me and he laughed and said, remember, I'm not your father. And we both laughed, right? But we were able to do that because we've explored these very, very deeply, right? What 10 years ago would have been a huge fight if we didn't understand that sometimes I have these visceral inner child, you know, you're, you're, you're saying something, but I'm reacting like a child, right? If I hadn't worked on that and he wasn't aware of that, we couldn't have like recognized that right there on the spot. And he could have gone terribly offended, right? Because he did do the transfers and I would have gotten so frustrated because my husband is not doing the right thing. And so there's an explosion there. Instead, it was a recognition of, oh yeah, this is, this is something that I do and I have to work on it. And that's fine. You do it. I, I understand that I'm empathetic. Yeah, so I think the, the, the key is to understand our own triggers and our spouse's triggers. That's, I think, a lot of what could come out of these conversations. Exactly. And that would diffuse a lot of the fights. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And, and by the way, this doesn't happen in one date. It's, this does, it's not like, you know, our listeners are going to go tomorrow and sit down and have this money date and talk about their past. And then next week, they're going to look at their numbers and it's all going to be fine. No, 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 no. This has to happen regularly. This is something that we have to make a commitment to put it on our calendars, to schedule 30 minutes to an hour, at least one, once a month, depending on the age of your children. I recommend even more than that, twice a month. If, you're, if you have more time and your kids are older, perhaps even once a week. Um, and we do it regularly because it's important for the relationship. I also, as, as, we, as the family grows and as the time goes, different things like, you know, uh -huh. when you make up to your first bar mitzvah, all of a sudden you go back to the way your family of origin and made a bar mitzvah or didn't make a bar mitzvah. Exactly. Exactly. Talk about it. exactly. And the talk is not the month before the bar mitzvah, when we're already pressed to spend money in a certain way. And we might just do it on autopilot because everybody else does it this way. The talk starts way earlier. What kind of bar mitzvah do we really want? What is really important for our family? What are the numbers? What is the situation? Can we make this happen? How can we make it happen? Why this way and not that way, right? So the more we've given ourselves the opportunity to communicate, not only are we growing emotionally with each other in the connection, but literally the financial objectives are being met because we're not just operating on like, 
you know, putting out a fire. And by the way, less fires tend to have, because people always tell me, but what if something happens in between money dates? And the, the interesting thing is, Devorah, that the more we commit to having these regularly, the less emergencies come up. There are very few real emergencies where we have to talk about money outside of a money date. Really, once you start practicing this regularly, because you're so in tune now together with how things flow and how the numbers are flowing, how your objectives are being met. Are you on track? Are you not on track? We're, you know, that very few things come up that require an emergency, you know, money date, if you will. So I was the power of the money date is on the one side is just really continually getting to know each other as it touches on money. Like, like we said, we need values. And then other parts of the money date is not some bulk about budgets or spending yeah. plans or totally. you know, spending records or, you know, totally, totally, dreams. totally. There's going to be a shift over time and, and, and some months and some stages of the year, right. They're going to be, it's going to be more nuts and bolts, you know, Pesach is coming and, you know, have we saved the amount that we usually need for Pesach or there's a major transition, somebody lost a job or somebody wants to, one of you want to start a, or your own business, you know, major things that we need to talk about. And other times it's just more, you know, how are the numbers? Okay. Everything's going okay. So, but that's the beauty of it, right? To being in sync through every stage. And sometimes the conversations are going to be bigger picture. Sometimes they're going to be narrower regarding some upcoming really detailed type of expense or some money that we want to allocate, you know, some MICER money that we have that we want to allocate to certain things. And we talk about this before it's done or whatever it might be. And also on the flip on, on these money dates, you can talk about who's going to be, who's going to go to do uh, school registration. Neither of, us want to do, neither of us want to do it, but maybe one of us is a little bit better. At absolutely. Doing it. Absolutely. And, you know, like I said, some, some people are more numbers oriented and some are not. And so you can divide responsibility, but the objective is that even if somebody's in charge of one thing and the other one is in charge of something else, you both understand and know what is happening so that you could pick up the, you, you, you can take ownership and responsibility and you're building together. Again, we're going for that goal of togetherness, of completion. Okay, so let's go back to, we have this topic was about how, don't let money turn into a fight. Mm -hmm. So we talked about if we preempted, we have less fights, but let's talk about what are the, some of the things that are hard for some couple that are harder to talk about. What are most of the fights about? Yeah, yeah. so I think one of the big, stressors um individually and in a, in a marriage is you know debt tends to be a big one right when there is when there it, we've started accumulating debt and it's kind of the feeling is kind of like spiraling out of control and um you know we don't know how to discuss that and how to tackle that i think also very often there are sometimes um there is a situation where we feel like the other one is not being transparent and it could be intentionally and it doesn't have to be intentionally. It's just, they didn't learn to even want to talk about money, right? It's, it is uncomfortable. It's emotional. So we have to train ourselves to get in that mindset. So sometimes one of the parties might feel like they're not in the loop and that might create tremendous amount of tension. And we might not say it explicitly, but it might be reflected in other areas of our, um, of our marriage. Um, so debt, the, the, the imbalance of, 
you know, the, the lack of transparency or the sense of, of imbalance, I think those are big. Very often, I also see a third one where is where we um, were getting help from, from our parents, and that could cause also a lot of tension. Um, what might seem like something that could benefit in, in the short term and sub in the longer term, not just hurting very often the relationship between the kids and the parents, but also hurting the relationship, the inner relationship of the, the one child who's, you know, whose parents are providing and also the relationship between them. So that's also sometimes a thing that I see that that causes conflict. And, you know, there are so many, you know, if one of, if one of them tend to be, you know, to worry a lot, right. And there might be no reason to worry, right. Like I've worked with people who have tons of money in the bank and really they just have a habituation of worry, right. Where they, they really, that's like, that's what they've internalized and they constantly do that. And that could also be detrimental to the fluid communication with the spouse because they're constantly worried and in the defensive when in reality, everything is okay. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, we've also seen where people are more generous than the or with tzedakah or even with gifts. Yep. The other one wants. And, and, I, and I'm glad you said that because here we go back to the being on the same page, right? These are the things that we need to be talking about. Okay. So this is a real great example. Um, we should be talking about how much MISER is in the MISER account and whether that's being done properly. And then, you know, how are we distributing that miser and um, whether we just, do we have to check with each other or do we not? We should be talking about how much we are okay with gifting and how much is really in our budget for that. Because again, if we make a commitment to a certain financial plan for our family, then we, both of us have to be committed, have to be in the plan. And if I don't do what is in the plan, then the money has to come out from somewhere, right? So we have to figure out where that money is going to come from. And so part of the regularity is communicating, well, I actually didn't know that I really wanted to make this gift, but this is coming up. How can we make it work? And sometimes the answer is, yes, we can make it work. And sometimes the answer honestly is, no, we don't. We can't make it work right now, but here's an alternative. But you see how these things are being discussed. Very often what happens is it's not discussed. So one spends in a way or allocates money in a certain way and the other one in another way. And again, we're not building together. And by the way, I'm not suggesting, even though I like the idea of joint accounts, I'm not suggesting that that works for everybody. It could be that in some couples, he needs an account, she needs an account, and there might be an account that's joint. Ideally, we would have all joint accounts, but that doesn't necessarily work. But we have to figure that out instead of it just becoming something we fall into because that's the way one of them said it has to be. No, you're together the way you raise your children together, right? This is the same idea. This is, um, we're building a home together. So going to that together, often in some in, in couples, one makes more money than the other, whether it's because they are working more hours, the other one is in the house, and it doesn't matter right. either, either gender. Sometimes they're both working full-time and one has a bigger salary. It's, Correct. So let's talk a little bit to that about the higher earner is not more in charge. Right. So, so since we're talking to a group of Jews and we're, we're, we're approaching this from a Jewish mindset, 
yes, the idea is that just because you're making more money doesn't mean that you have more control or more power. And unfortunately, that is very often confused. And that's something that we don't want. And that, God forbid, somebody's in a relationship where they are being, um, you know, abused in a sense where there's, there's like money is used as a controlling tool that needs certain help that, that needs professional help. Okay. So, um, the idea should always be the approach should always be that regardless of who makes the money. Okay. We get to decide together according to our values and we get to build objectives based on those values. And together we get to decide how that money is allocated. What are we saving for? What are we, how are we investing? How are we spending? And by the way, just because you have some, you have something that's really important to you, you know, to give you an example, let's just say for you and your spouse, um, you know, for one of you beauty and like a sense of like refinement and just aesthetics is very important. Right. And so that might translate into a beautiful home. Right. And for him, that might not be important at all. Like he appreciates it goes both ways. Yeah, exactly. Or for her, right. They might appreciate it in the other person because that's what makes them always elegant and put together and whatever it might be. Right. So they appreciate that of the other one, but that's not something that's in their core. Like they don't really care about that, but you know, what's a value for them. Let's say Shalom Bayit or, you know, the peace at home and nurturing. So if for her or for him, the either one, there's something really important, like the aesthetics of the home. And we can't necessarily, you know, invest in that constantly, but that other person wants to feel validated and nurtured in the relationship and they're being understood. And because the other one respects Shalom Bayit, look, why can't we open a savings account, right? Where we put money every month, even if it's a little bit into that, you know, home remodeling fund or whatever you want to call it, right? So that you can slowly achieve what you want. And when your spouse sees you achieving that because they appreciate you so much and they value this about you, by the way, they're actually going to be like, oh, this is nice. It's nice that you actually remodeled that guest room, you know, but it didn't have to come at the expense of other things that are important for the couple. So I think this is where the conversations need to happen, where it's not all or nothing, we can work together to build it. But very often we feel like the other one is telling us no. And so the inner child comes out depending on what our money story might be. Right. And, and we, we react in a completely irrational way. And sometimes like I hear some people say, well, they told me no. So I went and I spent more on the credit card and it's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Do you realize how that is not rational? Right. You know, it thinks like that. So it's, getting to the, the, the triggers, like you said before, what are those things that, that, um, that come up and trying to nurture that inner, inner child along the way so that we can build together and we can understand each other and we can compromise, um, and make, make trade-offs because the majority of us will have to make certain trade-offs, right? If Jewish education is very important, um, well, and I want to pay for Jewish education, which has a price tag, I might not be able to do that home remodel that I want, but I could be putting perhaps a little bit of money every month towards it until I reach that goal. And I'm still financing that other really important value, which is the education of my children. Right. So see what you see how it works. Right. So um, also to that is that 
if one spouse feels that the other one is overspending yeah. um, a story, uh, just cut the other one's credit card without having a conversation. Right. Yeah. So again, without having a conversation, that is, that is not, um, that is not the way it's done. Right. If we, if we are, if one of us feels like the other one is overspending, then the space should be the, there should be a, there should be an ability to talk openly and respectively, respectfully about the things that are bothering us, the things that worry us, the the concerns that we have without having to feel like the other person is the aggressor. And it goes both ways, right? Um, So I, I very much, I'm just, I very much feel like it boils down to as early as we can, and it's never too late, start talking about this little by little regularly so that we know what is important. And if we overspend, we can talk to our spouse about what that happened. And we know that that's going to be welcomed and we can still disagree and then say, how can we do it better? Because that wasn't the agreement, right? And we build trust. And if we break trust a lot of times, we're really eroding that relationship. So we don't want that. So it's, it's going back to those conversations. I told you, we're just going to gravitate around this, this idea of communicating, communicating, communicating. So one of the, another thing to communicate, I, I would think, is about ground rules. Like if, we, like if, you, if someone wants a cup of coffee and we could afford it, we don't have to tell each other that we spent the coffee. But if someone is going to spend over X, yeah. so talk a little bit to how that conversation yeah, works. Yeah, I love that point because when we're building a financial plan, and by the way, we should be checking our numbers every month. We should be know, knowing how we're allocating our, our whatever income we have every month. We should have a line item there somewhere that allows for a certain amount that we can spend on that is unaccounted for, that is miscellaneous, that is that is for, you know, for whatever that things come up that I want to do, that coffee or that whatever. And now this amount is mutually agreed upon. If for whatever reason I go beyond that amount or he or, she, you know, one of them goes beyond that amount, that money has to come from somewhere else. And we have to reconvene and say, whoops, what happened? Where is the money going to come from? So again, it's just going back to the conversations. We had a discussion and this was the amount that each of us had each month, you know, and, and there's no right or wrong here. This is why it's called personal finance. It's whatever your numbers allow you to do. And that's why being in touch with those numbers and really clear about what the numbers are is so important. Cause I think Part of the huge problem here is that very often one person is super clear on the numbers and the other one has absolutely no idea. So going back, what happens? Then there's a tension because the other one just explodes because the other one did not know that they should not have spent in a certain way, but they don't know the numbers. They don't understand the cash flow. They don't even understand when the paycheck comes in, you'd be surprised, but there are many couples where one of them doesn't know how much money comes in every month or when does it come, right? So we have to sit together. We have to look at our numbers. We have to agree. We have to be familiar with how much we're paying intuition and how much you need for clothing and how much you need for groceries and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
Especially, especially those who are not on salary and the money's, the numbers change every month. Absolutely. And if you're like my husband and I, if you have variable income, all the more so, right? We have to have these conversations. We have to make sure that we're very much aware and that we have some sort of wiggle room and cushion. So there's, there's an even layer of complexity with the fact that you don't get a steady paycheck, right? So we really have to be in tune with what's happening. So it's important for everybody. But yes, there's an added layer of complexity when your your income is variable. Right. I was going back to like, so like you have, a, let's, let's say a, a couple has $200 each, a discretionary or some people call shalom bias, whatever you want to call. Mm-hmm. And then someone decides to buy $500 worth of camera equipment. I'm trying to keep it gender neutral. <laughs> you know, like where did that come from? Now, while the budget can handle no, no credit card went over on overdraft or anything, but that kind of that number of purchase could really cause some tension. So the idea of setting ground rules about a purchase above whatever. Yeah. And, 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 and setting, you know, the ground rules about the number of the purchases of the amount sorry, the amount of the purchase and also the, the purchases themselves, like, you know, your spouse should be able to know that you want to buy that camera. Right. And, and again, the question is why doesn't your spouse know that you want that camera? Right. Why don't they know? Right. Why are we hiding the fact that we're about to go buy that camera? That's the real question here. They should know, and they should be able to say, yeah, it looks like we could do it this month, or it looks like I know that's important to you, but we probably have to start allocating a certain amount of money to do that in three or six months. And that's fine. It's not a no, it's at not right now, but I am validating that this is important and I want you to have it. So let's work towards that. And so you see, now we are building it together. Now the camera, eventually we're going to get it. We're not going to get it through debt. We're going to get it through mutual agreement, agreement. And it might have not been today, but we work towards. And so the, everybody respects that that is something that has become important to the other. So here's a question that came in. What do I do if my spouse doesn't want to have these conversations? Yeah. Yeah. Which happens so often. Right. And, and so here's where I feel like we have to use a lot of wisdom and approach this not as you need to have, you need to talk about money with me. No, it's approached as an invitation to connect. And what do I mean by that? Explore yourself, what we talked about at the beginning, what your money story is individually. Start learning a little bit about yourself and then invite your spouse out on a walk with your iced coffees, I don't know, on a date, whatever you guys enjoy. And just share that, share, you know what? I just discovered I was listening to this podcast or I went to this class and I was, I did this, these worksheets and I discovered such interesting things about the way I think about money that I was never aware and share those stories with the other spouse and without the expectation that they should immediately say, oh, let's start talking about that. No, just to start becoming vulnerable because, and I know here people are going to be like, no, but why do I have to take the first step, right? Why do I have to become vulnerable? Well, what's the objective? The objective is shalom, right? The objective is to create a union, right? So one of us has to be the one who opens this 
and it allows for the other one to just start internalizing. Oh, that's interesting. She's brought this up. So it's like, never approach it as this is something that needs to be done. It's more like, I've been thinking, right? A lot of those I statements that we talk about so often in communication, right? I've been thinking about this credit card debt that I'm carrying and what I saw in my parents' home. And I wonder if I'm repeating patterns and blah, 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 blah. And then it starts building into the conversation. And then you can start sharing things like, you know, I find that I worry about this, or I find that I really would love for us to have a MISER account. How come we've never done that? Um, and he might say, well, because, you know, we don't have the money or whatever it might be, right? Oh, okay. Well, you know, maybe we could sit one day and look at the money together, look at the numbers. And how about I can help you, you know, very often. And this again, gender neutral, doesn't always have to be the husband, but very often um, one of them carries the burden full on of the finances. And you'd be surprised, even if it's the men, how many times I see that when the woman approaches them with a willingness to talk about this, to help him with the intention of, let me help you with this. I know you work so hard. I know you are trying to juggle all these things. What can I do to make it better? You'd be surprised how many men are like, finally, you know, like this weight is lifted off shoulders. So I think if your husband, if your spouse does not want to talk about money, please, please very gently first work on yourself and start just sharing what you're discovering with them, allowing them to just then and ask them. And did you see that at home? Just allowing them to just have a conversation more about you than about the money itself. So that eventually you can get to, wow, what if we did something different that when I, what I saw in my parents' house, you know, I really don't want it to be like that. Oh, well, yeah, that might imply this and this and this, right? So then we can get to the we, then, then we can get to what we want together. But we first have to work on our inner money script, and then we can start becoming the editors together as a couple. Well, the other thing is that, is that if you're the one who's bringing it up, so you're the one, that's why you start because it's bothering you. Right. Uh, but then realize that they're behind in your pro they're behind you in the process. You've been thinking about it longer. So just because you're bringing it up in the conversation doesn't mean that they have thought about it and they don't have an answer. So you just slowly, slowly drip. You could be starting in September and finally get to the we in June. Exactly. But through the process, you personally have grown. By the way, your relationship with God Almighty has grown because hopefully through the process, you've been able to work on your trust in God and all the things, right? And slowly, you've also worked on your relationship to the point that by June, you could actually look at the numbers together and kind of like figure out why, why, wait, I want us, we want us to actually be investing on this. And we actually would love to have a, a savings account for our daughter's wedding. Let's do that. That sounds exciting, right? Or, huh, we really should be tackling this debt. Let's get on a commitment to tackle this debt or whatever it might be, but it'll happen. Um, but just don't, don't be afraid that, like you said, if you are the one who's ahead in that step, then that's fine. You, you they'll, they'll come behind you. It's just going to take time. If you're not, if you're good about it, not if you're going to blast them about it, then they may not come. The, the I statements here are very important. The 
not blaming is super important. Leaving the blame and the pointing fingers out the door because we we're not perfect. We all make mistakes. And then bringing into these conversations, a lot of gratitude, a lot of recognition, um, even if it's gratitude for the simple fact that you're able to have such a conversation with your spouse, you know, that's it. Even if like nothing else, right. Celebrating little wins, like, wow, we actually saved the amount of money that we decided that we were going to save this month that, that, you know, recognizing that about each other. And I'm so proud of us. And I'm so proud of you. You know, all these little things make a huge difference, but they require effort. They require dedication. And uh, just to add to that is that if there's something you said didn't land well, or they didn't respond the way you anticipate, even though you thought that you said it with gratitude and you thought you said it with respect and you thought just you think of the big picture that you want to be able to have conversations that you really want shalom around money or shalom in general. So they may not have responded at anywhere near what you had wanted, even though you did everything right. I'm glad you mentioned that because I don't want anybody here to come out with this impression that now, because you follow the recipe of the money date, let's just say, right. There's not going to be a fight. Of course you are going to have dates where you say, maybe we need to stop this now, right? Because it's going to spiral out of control. You can feel when it's bubbling and it's not going the right way. And that's okay. It's okay to say, let's resume this next week, right? Um, that is okay. That is part of the process. Especially if you're in different stages of the process. Mm -hmm. And like if one is more evolved in the thinking of how they are, why they are the way they are with money or just in general with yeah. anything that's of conflict, yeah. anything any adversity so and there's usually in some areas one is more advanced than the other so like there's always if you know that money is a touchy topic then just take a gentle yeah and be ready to take back your words and be ready to do a do-over in this conversation that didn't come out right absolutely i'm a big fan of do-overs absolutely and listen to be to be honest with you sometimes people need a third party to come in, you know, sometimes, sometimes the, the, sometimes we need somebody to help us navigate the process and that you might realize that at some point, but, but I would say that for the majority of us, we can, if we invest the effort and gently um, do this, we can build solid communication around money. Uh, let's talk about, this is an interesting question, about coming into the marriage with a lot of debt. Mm -hmm. And maybe we, I'm going to change it up a little bit to make it more interesting. Yeah. Uh, when they were dating, um, they agreed that she, uh, let's just say she came in with the debt. Of course, I'm switching the genders. Uh -huh. but she came in with the debt and they agreed that she'll pay, she'll take five years to pay it off. Uh-huh. And somehow she's feeling resentful that she made that agreement mm -hmm. and it's really turning into what are these fights or, or having a very difference of opinions what would mm -hmm. you say to that so so do we have a sense of are they paying it together or do you think it's like one of them has to be responsible for that debt that they came into the picture with well, from the way it came in, is like they agree that she, that's a she would that's be continuing her her, her, her her debt. It's her her loan Res to pay back her responsibility, and now she's she's not feeling comfortable with the agreement that that that's her debt. So you know, if that was a conversation before they got married, um, 
there's nothing wrong with bringing up again the amount of stress that that debt is causing her, if it's causing her stress, and getting ideas from him as to how I could fulfill my agreement, right? How could I, I'm having a hard time making, coming up with ideas to generate this income. Because again, how, how is the debt going to be paid? She has, to, if, if it's on her, apparently in this agreement, she has to come up with the money. So is the resentment that now she has to go out to work or is the resentment, you know, like we have to understand a little bit what's happening here, but, um, I don't necessarily favor, um, you know, that one person needs to be fully responsible for 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 the debt um, unless all of your finances are completely separate right um, does that mean that you pay for half the expenses and he pays for half the expense like how does it work we don't know we don't know the intricacies but I think the way that I would approach this without knowing so many details is going back to the drawing board again not with accusing you made me pay this debt you threw it on me but more with now that I'm having to pay this debt I feel like my income I'm not able to pay it as quickly as I had told you that I would what could what do you suggest what are you some ideas so that I could um fulfill this agreement because it's really weighing heavily on me so now it's opening the door again to the conversation and seeing and bringing him in not as an adversary but as a person who could offer here some solutions and perhaps there is agreement and a new agreement that could be, you know, that could be worked out between them. Thanks. Uh, I have another question is I'd like to see an expensive coach or therapist or whatever it is. And my spouse thinks that there's cheaper ways to do it. Which mm -hmm. is goes back to that conversation about therapy, why people don't go to therapy because of the expense. Um, and I really think that's important. Some to, it takes money to make money. Okay, so I guess that's talking about a financial coach, which I want to talk about. You know, what, what are the different professionals that could be helpful? But um, how do we talk to that about? I want to spend money on something. Some I guess it boils down to I want to spend money on something that my spouse doesn't think is important. Mm -hmm. Okay, so again, the answer is not necessarily. No, the answer is, the, the answer here is, how can we work together so that you can have what's important for you and he, he or she can have what's important for them, right? So it might be that the expensive coach, um, let's say it's a business coach, right? So number one, if it's a business coach, why does it have to come out of the personal finance of the household? Why is it not coming from your business? And perhaps your business is not making enough money yet. Well, can you come up with a plan to start saving for that, which is what you would probably do anyway, if you had to take the money from your regular budget, right? So it's, it's trying to help our spouse understand that it is important to you, but that you don't want it to be, it's not for you. You're not coming at it with the the, I, the idea is not that you're going to take from something else that's mutually agreed upon that is important for both of you or that is important to the other, right? It's how can we make it work within the framework of what we have, right? So it might mean that you, you know, it's going to take longer to pay for that. But I would try to understand that from the other side 
if there's don't understand the value of this expense, okay, then it's for you to communicate ideas on how you're going to help them. Because if it's something that's important to you, why is it have to be the burden necessarily like on them, right? So it, it gets very tricky because we want to work on it together. But I want to emphasize that not always we can afford certain things and we're going to have to make certain trade-offs. And so we have to talk about those trade-offs, right? So let's say that you bring in some income. Perhaps the agreement is that since this is super important for you, then you're going to have to save from your income just for that. Or from the joint account, we're going to agree to save a little bit of money at a time for that. So that for the other person who feels that this is just, we can't do it yet. At least it's more manageable. I was to add to that. I'm thinking that if you show that it's so important to me, I'm even willing to cut back in something that shows how important it is. Right. Exactly. Because it's going back to the trade-off. What is the trade-off that, you know, and, and again, um, you know, you can say, well, yeah, uh, you, you can say what, what you're willing to cut back on that, that he, that you've joined, uh, jointly agreed that you're going to spend on. And let's talk to the different professionals that someone might come in, bring in for conversations around money. Yeah. So, so there's, you know, different areas. So you have your financial planners, your certified financial planners who tend to be, they're very important, um, but they tend to help you with the nuts and bolts of the organization, particularly with making sure that things of, um, to protect your assets are in place, like the proper insurances and then the longer term investments and making sure that you're whatever you're making is not just getting spent, but it's actually getting allocated um, so that you actually have build wealth over time. So CFPs or certified financial planners are super important. Um, there is a misconception out there that you have to have a certain amount of income to, to work with some of these individuals. That is not necessarily the case. Um, you can find in your city what's called a fiduciary, which is somebody who doesn't work based on a percentage of your assets, but rather works on a fixed rate, a fee, right? Um, and that is actually the ideal way because then they're actually working for you. They're not making a commission on how they manage your assets or not making a cut on how they manage your assets. So that's actually what everybody should be looking for if they want to hire a certified financial planner. And then there's obviously um, your accountant and all that. And then there's coaches, which is more what I do. There's people who can help you, not just with the, how do you save for certain things and how do you invest for certain things? Like, how do you create those buckets, right? To make these things happen, but also what is the mindset behind it? And, and what do we need to work on individually or as a couple so that we actually get to it? Because you'd be surprised. Most of us kind of know the mechanics, but the only reason we don't get to it is because the emotional part hasn't been worked on. And that's stopping us from creating the behaviors that we actually say we want to create. So there is the certified financial planners, there's the money coaches, and then there's, you know, your accountant helps you with your taxes and all that stuff. I think they, the three of them have an important role. Um, and um, depending on where you are, I think it's important to have them, obviously. 
Okay. So another question. If someone, if we're working on sharing the budget, sharing the income, sharing the budget, how do we save up for a surprise gift for the other? Oh, I love that question. Wow. That's a cool one. Interesting. Uh, very interesting. I, I might have not been giving my, my husband too many surprises recently. That's a good one. Um, so how do you save for a surprise gift? Well, the way I like to save is with sub accounts. Okay. So I like to teach everybody. I do it myself and I teach everybody to work with a bank that allows you to have different savings accounts for different goals. Okay. So here's something you can do. You can actually create one of those sub accounts where you're saving for this and you could call it something different, but then I don't know how you're going to pull that off. Right. What are you going to, maybe, maybe, maybe you tell them you're buying something for yourself. Right. And you agree to this fictitious thing that ends up being the surprise for the other. Okay. And that's one way of doing it, or you increase the amount that you're putting in another of your sub savings account. That is that has another name, but you know that that overflow, let's just say is going to be for something that later on you're going to pull out to, to transfer into checkings and to pay for that. So what, what comes to mind with this question is the, having the mechanics and the access to sub accounts that you can categorize um, by name and that have no fees and you can move money around would be the way that I would approach it. Okay. So if someone takes on like a small little tutoring job on the side to be able to pay for that, there's a certain lack of transparency, but not saying I'm bringing in this little bit of extra money. Right. But right. So again, I, we never want to bring, be not transparent. So that's why I said like you create the savings goal and maybe you, you do talk to your spouse that it's for something important to you. I don't know how you're going to navigate, not, you know, telling them that it's for your camera when you're really not interested in a camera, but perhaps that is a way to navigate. I don't advocate going and getting a second job or a side hustle and the money from your side hustle is getting hidden um, for this because again, the lack of transparency. So I'd rather there's a way that you can talk about this new money that's appearing. It's being put somewhere in this vessel to be used for something um, that that you are going to enjoy together, hopefully, but <laughs> it's going to be well, it's gonna... I mean, part of it. You can save some of your coffee money. You know, some of that, that's a that discretionary fund yeah. and don't buy coffee. Use the office coffee. Yeah. But again, where do you put it? Right. Like, <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But as again, if the discretionary fund is just your own debit, you know, debit cards, you could be saving some of that money that way. If... also. If you have it set up that way, that's a great idea. If you have it set up where you have a separate debit checking account where your discretionary money goes there, okay, then of course that makes it so much easier, right? That the money's not getting spent, it's there, and then you use it for the gift. But in the case that it's a joint account and the discretionary money is just an agreed, agreed upon account that is going to be withdrawn with your debit card from that checking account, then that's where it's going to get a little tricky. I mean, just to say, I mean, the what the gift is, could be the surprise, but I'm, that getting a gift doesn't even have to be a surprise. Exactly. And then to wrap on that is sometimes the idea of surprises is not necessarily the best use of your money. Sometimes there's many surprises miss the boat. Just yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my husband says he doesn't surprise me. He learned early on in marriage. Better ask my wife what she wants. 
So I'm a big proponent of making gift wish lists. Yeah. Yep. I mean, if you, this is what I want and updating it. Don't forget mm -hmm. to update it every so mm -hmm. long. Love that. If you want to spend, if you want to spend ten dollars, this is in this. This is in that. What I like for ten dollars. Mm -hmm. Five hundred plus, you know, something else. Love that idea, and it's a great. It's something great to bring up in a money date. Okay. Uh, last question uh, that came in. This is toughy. I feel like I need to stop working to be home with the kids. Um, and it could be either gender. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to really impact our bottom line. And I don't know how to bring it up. Hmm. Well, the first thing is we're going to have to bring it up, right? As uncomfortable as it is. And why do we feel like we want to be home with the kids? Is it because, see, there's two, there's two things here. Is it because the my priority is the children and I feel like this is a really important thing that I should be doing? Or is it that I'm so unhappy in my job and really what I'm looking for is also for a change of scenery? So it's not that I'm going back to the kids, but um, um, I need to transition out of my job and look for something else or become self-employed or whatever it might be. And, and we're going to have to talk about it because if mutually we make the decision that yes, it's true that the health of our family um, is dependent on me staying home with the kids, whoever, that might be the husband or the wife, then together we have to come up with a plan to to cover the expenses, right? Um, and it might imply some, some time period where things are going to be tighter, right? Or it might imply some months where we're going to crank up on the savings so that we have that financial runway to make that transition, right? And this is an important point here. Again, you know, when we talk about a normative financial um, and personal finance about having these emergency funds, right? This three to six months of expenses saved in a liquid account. I don't like to call it an emergency fund. I, uh, fund. I like to call it an opportunity fund, right? What about the opportunity that I could be home raising my kids? And then I, I if need be, we, I will start something on the side or whatever it is, right? So maybe we can't make that transition immediately, but we have to start talking about it because if that's what you want to be doing in the next couple of months and together you're going to have to work towards that objective if you both agree that that's really important and it goes back to that values conversation if for whatever reason you feel like that the one of your core values for in order for you to live one of your core values you need to be home with their chil the children then that's all fine and that should be accepted but we have to make a plan for it right um can I ask one more? I know of we're running to the top of, of the Absolutely. Okay. Actually, it's just very similar to what we just asked. So I'm glad we, we asked it before that question came in. So there we go. Okay. Uh, any final thoughts, final wishes to our audience? Any final, I, I see a question here, but you probably addressed it already. Okay. Uh, final thoughts. Um, please, please, please do not leave God out of the equation. Do not leave God out of the conversation. Even with what I just said, with we have to make a plan, by the way, the bringing God into that plan is important because it's not, well, now 
it depends on this one of us to bring in that income. There's also something called building trust in God and working together to strengthen that, okay? And that in tandem with working on our communication so that the shalom, which is the real, the, the vessel, peace is the vessel for the blessings, is, is, is a solid vessel. Um, that's going to be, for me, I see it as the, the foundation of everything that we're doing. I mean, we can, we can save, we can invest, we can do all the right mechanical things, but push comes to shove. If there's one thing that I would love for everybody to take home is bring God into the conversation. Remember that there's a God in the world that puts you together with your spouse, um, with their money story, with your money story, with your goals, with his goals, with your values, with his values. And there is a reason why you're together and you can do this, but it takes God also to help you do it. So invite him into this. Don't, don't leave him out because, um, because that's where the magic happens, actually. Thank you. I just want to, uh, something I wanted to say before your final thoughts, Alyssa, as I kind of put it back in, rewind, is that when the spell, when each of you are happier and more peaceful, then you can actually be more creative with ideas for how to save money and even how to make more money. money. And you're also more open to opportunities that are flying around when you're all coming from a clearer head so a hundred percent when we come from that place of expansion of letting god into our lives and understanding that whatever challenge is coming from god for a reason and what do i have to learn here and how can i become stronger in my trust mission we become a lot more receptive a lot more creative a lot more expansive and that by the way also impacts as we're growing personally, that impacts the other person. So don't ever feel, well, I'm working on this, right? It's he's not, he or she's not working on it. Trust me. It's you're working on it. You're a mirror of each other. It's going to impact the other one. Right. It's not as if you get happy when you have money, you make, there's lots of, you make more money when you are happy. Yes, exactly. So the inner work here is super important. So take, take money, not as something that's the enemy, but more as the uh, resource that God is putting in front of you that we all have to manage. Right. But the, uh, it brings us an opportunity of self-growth of growth in a relationship and then growth in our relationship with God. So my personal growth, my, my growth in my relationship with God and my, my growth in my relationship with my spouse. Thank you, Yael. Uh, next week, we'll be talking about, uh, for women, about how to support your husbands in Parnassa. Not to say that only men are in Parnassa. It's just that that is, we're talking to women about helping their spouse with Parnassa. And hopefully, we'll, we'll find the right person to do the talk for two husbands about helping the wife be, uh, in their contribution to Parnassa as well. Beautiful. So, separate um, talk. One final thing, because somebody was just asking about the money date. If you want to learn more specifics about this money date, you can download a free guide on jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash money date. And I walk through all the details and I help you do this by yourself and together. And it's, it's quite thorough. So you'll find it really helpful. And we on Adeyad's website, we also have a money date. Um, I would love to compare them and see oh, how they fantastic. Go. Let's compare notes. I like that. Yeah. So our, uh, the Adayad one is on um, on the date nights page, adayad.org slash date night. And you, there's lots of different date nights, but one of them is money's, about money. So uh, thank you, Yael. Thank and you. We'll and see we'll see you next week. Next week. All right. Thank you, everyone. Good night. Bye, everybody.